the good thing is every action we take counts. So it's always better to limit climate change as much as we can, even if it's 2.4 degrees is better than 2.8 degrees. Welcome to the podcast of the Institute for Advanced Sustainability Studies in Potsdam, Germany. My name is Anja Krieger. In Bonn, the United Nations Climate Change Conference just kicked off. Joining me is Kathleen Marr, who has been preparing our Institute's activities at the Climate Summit. Katie is an atmospheric chemist and worked for the United States Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, on the implementation and enforcement of the Clean Air Act. She's been at the IASS for five years and leads the project Climate Action in National and International Processes. Katie, in 2015, almost 200 countries reached the Paris Agreement. This was celebrated as a huge success after decades of negotiations. So what more needs to happen at this year's conference in Bonn? Yeah, hi, Anya. Thanks for asking. Um, Paris really was a big milestone in the climate community to get so many countries, nearly all the countries in the world, to agree on a common goal and a common framework to deal with climate change. But of course, what's needed now is um, figuring out how we're going to get there. So we have a goal and framework, but the details of how this is really going to work are largely still open. So we need to, the climate community needs to work on defining the path of how we're really going to stay below two degrees C. And that's what the focus is of these post-Paris uh, post climate conferences. What would be the consequences of a rise of temperatures by more than two degrees in this century? I mean, two degrees doesn't sound so much, right? Yeah, so keep in mind that two degrees is a global average temperature. So there are regions of the world that will actually feel a little bit less of a temperature rise, but regions of the world that are going to feel more. So... These types of consequences are outlined in a lot of details and reports by the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, but some of the ones that people are most familiar with will just become more extreme in an over two degree world, including things like heat waves and drought, also uh, sea level rise and an increase in extreme weather events. There are certain regions and certain countries that are certainly more vulnerable than others. Some of that is due to their geographical circumstances. Some of that is due to socioeconomic circumstances. But one category of highly vulnerable countries are low-lying island states. And this year, that's going to be important to the negotiations because Fiji has the COP presidency. Fiji is one of uh, the island nations that is not uh, low-lying everywhere. But certainly sea level rise is an important climate change impact that they are going to need to reckon with. Another thing that Fiji has experienced in the past years is um, extreme weather events that are expected to also increase under climate change. So cyclones that really have wiped out the islands. So with Fiji having the presidency of the COP, these climate negotiations, They really want to bring these issues into focus. They want to highlight the needs and vulnerabilities of these most vulnerable nations, especially Pacific Island states. 
and yeah, focus on solutions, including for adaptation, um, for how how these nations can really yeah withstand the climate change that's already in the pipe, even if we stay below two degrees C. Do you think that's symbolic that Fiji um, got assigned the presidency? Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly politically important that this is the first time that an island nation has had the COP presidency. And so it's really a chance to focus on these types of issues for the most, most vulnerable countries. So what are the next steps in these climate negotiations? So within the negotiations themselves, There's two main things that are being discussed. One is uh, called the rule book to the Paris Agreement. So essentially the Paris Agreement can be thought of as a big framework and the rule book needs to establish all of the details for how things are going to happen. So for instance, one important thing is a transparency framework and how exactly are we going to report progress towards uh, reaching the two degree goal. So there's a lot of details in there about what countries' obligations are going to be under Paris that are still being negotiated. It sounds like a, a mountain of paperwork to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I think that will come. <laughs> there, there will be conflict and debate at this year's climate conference. So what do you think will be the lines of conflict and debate? In some ways, the lines of conflict and debate have carried over, I think, from pre-Paris times in the sense that in terms of conflict, at least, there is a tension between more developed and less developed countries. And Paris was the first time that this distinction wasn't made part of the agreement in the same way as it was under Kyoto Call. But when you listen to the debates, you still see that priorities are different, that from a developed Western European standpoint, for instance, there's a lot of focus on mitigation, which means cutting CO2 emissions. If you are a less developed country who hasn't really contributed much to CO2 emissions in the past hundred years, um, your focus is really likely more about adaptation and securing funds for adaptation. So there are some different priorities there. Another big uh, piece of it this year will be climate financing. So as part of Paris, uh, there, were, there was an agreement to raise funds uh, by developing countries to fund climate-related activities, including mitigation, but also adaptation. So think of anything that costs money that, that you need to address climate change. How exactly all of these billions of dollars are going to be raised is really not clear. Um, that's been put into even um, sharper focus by the fact that, you know, U.S. President Trump has come out and said, okay, he's not contributing anymore to the Green Climate Fund. So this is also going to be an issue how to, how to raise the money that's needed for climate finance and Yeah, how to credibly say that th this part of the Paris Agreement is going to be fulfilled. Um, that, that aspect of the Paris Agreement has not really been made clear. You 
you've always felt most at home with one foot in the world of science and one foot in the world of policy, and you have this strong interest in the interactions between science and policy. So what do you personally hope will come out of this conference? Yeah, personally, kind of on the political side, I hope that the conference will be a chance to highlight some success stories and really bring momentum to climate action um, to keep up the high spirits that we had post Paris, but, you know, not in a denying reality sort of sense, but that keeping the political momentum and political will there to um, take action on climate. One other thing that's going to be important at this conference that I haven't mentioned yet is uh, making plans for what is called the Facilitative Dialogue, which will take place next year. So the Facilitative Dialogue is essentially a stock-taking exercise. It's the first planned um, point in time where under the Paris Agreement that the countries get together and evaluate how far, how far have we come, how close are we to achieving the two-degree goal. And I think This exercise is import important um, for raising ambition, and it's also an important place where science and policy interact. So on the one hand, we have these pledges. You see trends in renewable energies and economics, and you ask, where is this going? Um, so there's an interesting science policy interaction there. And then not only where is this going, but how can this stock take be used to increase momentum. So if it looks like, um, you know, okay, we're still not on track to, to reach two degrees, which I think will still be the case one year from now, how can we use this stop, stock take to actually kind of push forward action and not, um, yeah, not just have people lapse into complacency and think we can't do anything about it. So that's also plans for the how this is going to work need to be Uh, worked on in Bonn, and it's a it's a delicate issue because on the one hand there's a lot of interest in having it be facilitative and cooperative without having kind of a blame and shame sort of piece of it. On the other hand, you know, it is important to recognize the gaps and where we are failing to stay on this two degree or well below two degree path. Many thanks, Katie, and thanks to our listeners. I will be in Bonn shortly to bring you more insights from this year's Climate Summit. Until next time, bye-bye.